0: Your seats, worship team. Thank you so very much for allowing the worship team to worship. (laughs) For allowing the worship team to worship. Well done, guys. I really felt like you took ground as a congregation this afternoon. eh? Don't, don't, don't let complacency slick you in the place of worship. Pour out, pour out everything inside of you, and God will fill you. You will never lack words of praise. You will not never lack thanksgiving pouring out of you. Just pour out, and he'll pour in. So um, I, I have a word for you. So Kevin, just to give you a bit of background, he asked me um, to, to maybe prepare something on hospitality. Because like with all our congregations, obviously COVID, at first it was like, oh, this is horrible, we can't just visit, we have to count the people in the room, or we have to like sneak in the back door. And like, it was really such a strange time. And then did you feel that change over where it became the new norm? Oh no, we are actually very happy staying home with our families, watching people worship on TV, <laughs> bringing an anointed word for us. Something shifted where what was horrible and didn't sit right became actually a bit of a comfort zone and now as we come out of it you know one of the things i was most excited about is to worship with more than 50 people but now I walk into a room and if there's more than 50 people i'm like <laughs> this is so overwhelming you know this is so hectic and it's almost like we have to get fit again in the basic lifestyle of living for jesus but it's so strange how the Lord took it from such a different angle because I tried to put together a good little practical and spiritual with scriptural backup little word about hospitality and it just didn't happen. But then driving here from Sweden Dam, I live in Sweden Dam, driving here on Thursday, the Lord just started speaking to me. And these words came to mind, the joyous sacrifice for the sake of the little ones. And he just started running all these images In my mind, and you'll you'll see some of these things from your own experience and the lives of people around you, but just the incredible sacrifices that people make to have children and for their children, and the incredible things that people endure. I mean, like birth pains. I hear it's worse than worse than toothache. It's like what? So why would you do it like three times? You know, like I don't understand. And things like. You know, so from birth pains to even adoption processes, I found out the other day how expensive it is to adopt children, like that you would just sacrifice and endure so many things. And even some of my friends have um, gone through such difficult adoption processes. It was agony. At times, They were like threats for the child to be taken back and the parents didn't want to sign. And like, it is hectic. And yet, there's something in us as human beings that we want Children and we are willing to pay an incredible price for that. Fertility treatments, the pain of miscarriages. I've sat with friends who had such heartache. They were—it was like say after a second miscarriage, and they still tried again to have a baby. And I and I thought, yeah, there's something superhuman at work here. Like it's a supernatural thing. It's not in line with our normal selfishness, our normal. Desire for no pain and comfort. I mean, there's nothing comfortable about having children. Your personal space. Like, your, you know, all the things that for me as a single I, I, I treasure. Like, you know, like we will give it up any day to have children. Income. How many of you live on one income instead of two because you would like mom to be home with the children more? I mean, what were you thinking? Like, so, so it was already hectic when you had one, and now you're like on the third. No more afternoon naps. That sacrificed. Sleepless nights, you know. Um, you sacrifice proper restaurants, and you all want to see me at the spur. It's like, where shall we meet up? Oh, no, at the spur. I thought the kids liked the food there. Then I realized, no, it's that sticky play area. It's like you don't even have to get corona by someone sneezing on you. You can get like a multiple different varieties of viral diseases just from licking the carpet there. <laughs> this is not in my notes. <laughs> no more cool cars, you know, like car seats and crumbs and my dog loves getting into the car of one of you that's got kids because there's so many snacks everywhere. <laughs> the noise levels, the school fees, the doctor's bills the pain of prodigals, of kids going off the rails, the puberty ups and downs, even into adulthood, the concern for your grown children and your grandchildren as you watch their walks with God. There's so much endurance needed. There's so much pain involved. And yet people keep having children and keep making room for them in their lives. They keep dying to self, even the most Selfish, unsafe people keep dying to self for the sake of starting a family, having children. And even the most selfish people, worldly people, live in a form of selfish selflessness out of love for their children. And even siblings pay a price. You know, I often think about um, Gerrit and Amy, you know. They were three, and overnight they were six, you know. And what that meant for the three um, for someone was saying at the moms group yesterday, someone was saying her little girl, her second one, um, she's like pregnant, and the second one, Annika was saying that. Where's Annika? Um, the second one is starting to act like a baby because she's like seeing there's a, another one. There's competition coming, you know, and I'm not, I'm no longer going to be the little one. There's a cost for siblings. So, so much change in a household when you prepare for children. When I know people with kids are coming to visit, like I hide the knives and, you know, the stuff they can break, you put away and you like find plastic plates and like there's just so much, so many logistics in terms of children. Like the smells, like I'm thinking now, I can smell when I walk into your house when you have babies on diapers because no matter how far the bin is from the house, you can smell it. You guys get the picture, hey? Like, it is, isn't it a marvel that people want children? <laughs> Little grubby hands in your food. Oh, vomit on your shoulder. Husbands that's no longer the center of your wife's attention. I mean, you were like... Mr. America, Mr. me, Mr. Durbanville, to her. And suddenly she's like, hold this, help you. Look, just give me five minutes to go to the toilet. You know, And suddenly you are also one of the ones that's just helping with the little ones. i any more time in your man cave. And a whole different level for you as men, as providers. Suddenly it's you thinking long-term future, Why does man can't can't do it? And I I I want to suggest to you that it is more than an instinct. I think it's something of the image of God in us that John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so whoever believed in him should not perish but have eternal life. God paid the highest price, his only son, so that he could have more sons, so that he can enlarge his family and add to his family. Hebrews 2 verse 10, For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Here am I and the children, in verse 13, in Hebrews it says, verse 13 says, Here am I and the children God has given me. God has always been willing to pay the highest price for children. Children that, get, that has given him lots of problems. John 14 verse 2. In my father's house, there are many rooms. So this is what our God is like. He's a God who makes room, who makes sacrifice for children. And I, I really do feel he wants to do something supernatural in our hearts this afternoon to give us greater endurance, to give us a greater joyful longing to sacrifice for the sake of his little ones, for the sake of those that he wants to add to this family, because I don't know if you can see it coming, but I see it coming. I see a great increase on in your congregation, just in terms of numbers, in terms of people that he's going to add, many of them that will be in desperate need of parenting, not even just discipling. So actually, it's the ultimate hospitality, because hospitality, the word is xenophilos, it means loving strangers. And if you think of how for the joy set before him, Jesus Endured the cross. There was that sense of that He loved us while we still His enemies, and endured the cross to bring us into His family. Ephesians two verse twelve. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. I feel that it's a time where the Lord wants to remind us what it's like to be lost. Remember, remember a time before you knew Him. I I can't, but most of you can. (laughs) I was four when I met Him. But I remember a time, many years, where I wasn't empowered by His Holy Spirit, where I didn't have the guidance of the Holy Spirit and didn't know the Holy Spirit like I know Him now. And there was something... Orphany about that. I do remember a time when I was not part of a healthy church. Where I tried to serve him. Desperately tried to serve him. Without the riches of family that I have now. Without spiritual mothers and fathers that love me and correct me. Without brothers and sisters that, that support me and cheer me on in my faith. Remember, remember when you were lost. Remember when you were not enjoying the riches of being a child in the household of God, being a a, a son and a daughter in the household of God. His spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. We can get so used to what we have and forget that there's still many. And that's part of our, we spoke a lot about our promised land. Part of our promised land is Durbanville and the Western Cape. And South Africa and Africa and to the very ends of the earth, there's an inheritance for us. And the inheritance is people that's not part of his household yet. And he wants to, that spirit of adoption by which we cry Abba Father, he wants to, by that spirit, stir something new in our hearts that will cause us to joyfully make room. Because he's like that. In the Father's house, there's many rooms. Make room. Make room in our home group. Have you ever... It's such a natural thing that happens. Have you ever been part of a home group that it just gets to that point where it's so lacquer? It's not awkward anymore. And everyone understands one another and everyone laughs at one another's jokes. And you could be vulnerable and deep. And, and, and everyone, when there's a bring and share, everyone brings... There's not just like one person that brings and the rest she's And you just got that thing going. You know, like you're like... And it talks about Acts what two forty two, and you like that's our home group, and then God adds people. Someone invites other people, like, and suddenly the vibe's not the same, you know. Suddenly, there's squealing babies, and so like I've been in a home group where we were five grown-ups and eleven children. You know, that's not very comfortable for a single <laughs> person, you know. And and I. I just want to say that there's a joy in giving that up to make room for those God wants to add. That's what He's like. So that others can be brought into His household. Make room in your hearts. I, I, I don't know how to put it in any other way, but I feel one of the words the Lord's given for me as a congregation is that you need to really step up in terms of your maturity. If you consider yourself one of the... People in the house that need a lot of help, a lot of ministry, a lot of encouragement. If you feel like you're the baby in the house, it's time. It's time because there's others coming in and you're going to know, you're going to be able to teach them so much about the Lord's ways. Your faith and your maturity that you're so far ahead of them. You just need to go, I'm actually a big brother, I can wipe my own bottom, and I can show you how to wipe yours, you know, like, (laughs) is that a terrible, a terrible analogy, but there's something in us that needs to change in the way we see ourselves, when that we're only little and immature until there's newborn ones coming into the household, and then our help is needed, we need to man up, we need to older brother up, we need to older sister up, Some of you are still living like sisters, but actually there's a mothering call on you. There's a call to mother many. Does it make sense? (laughs) It's such an interesting thing um, that God has to ask that of us to make room because there is something about our blood family that can become very idolatrous. Like I see it now with COVID, it, it must have been so like, to have all that time, just you and your family. You know, like, it must have been really lacquer. Because sometimes we do neglect our families and the busyness of life and whatever. But, but, if our own families become such an idol, such a place of comfort, such a place where we pour our all into that, the Lord will not be pleased with us because He wants us to consider His heart and His children and those that you want to add to our families, I, I have a wonderful privilege to, to, um, to be part of a few families, but I feel really at home away from home. And uh, the one little girl in one of those families, uh, she, she said to me, Auntie Melania, are you coming? It was a memorial for one of the family members. She said, are you coming tomorrow? I said, no, it's for the, for the blood family. And she said, but you are love family. She thought I said love family. And now we've going to stem this term, there's blood family and there's love family. Is your heart open to move the ten peg pigs? Oh barren woman, sing. Because many will be your children. Oh retired couple that is just happy to now and again play with your grandkids. Are you happy to love on teenagers and give them tea and cookies and sit them down and teach them the Lord's ways? Single ladies, are you willing to gather the younger sisters and to encourage them in the Lord and to share the, the trials and the stuff that you've been through and to strengthen their faith, to encourage them with the wisdom that the Lord's given you, to, to comfort them with the comfort with which Jesus has comforted you? He adds living stones and he, and he builds a house where he can live by his spirit, and in the natural building, is hard work. I mean, you guys, I don't know how much you're going to do yourself, but um, when, when we built Sunningdale, we did it, you know, we did it ourselves. Like, you know, I still sit in that building and I go, I painted those fireplaces and I covered up those little screws in the ceiling board and, you know, like the whole wall behind the stage, every one of those bricks went through our hands, our schools. We like were passing them on. It's hard work, but what a joy that we are building we are being built in, and we are helping others to become part of a building by which God can dwell by His Spirit. I, I really felt the whole time, I wanted to get so excited about your building, and I felt the Lord kept saying, don't look at the building. That's just one of the ways that you are making room for the little ones. It's going to be a wonderful tool. It's going to impact you greatly because it's visible, and it's your, your um, people will know about Durbanville congregation just because it's somewhere where they can see it. People will come because they think you're respectable because you've got a nice building or whatever, or the coffee's good. So there's different things that will draw people, but they will not be built into this building that consists out of living stones that God can fill by His Spirit if you do not take them by the hands and you do not love them into family. If you do not give them a real life experience of being fathered and mothered, and loved, and accepted, warts and all, like you would your own children. It's not like you, every second week, you think, oh, this one's developmental the, the stuff, is not so great, let's trade him in for a better one, let's upgrade that one, let's, no, no, that's no, your children, and I feel the Lord wants us to take ownership, not just be nice to be, like the one time I realized, oh, Because I'm a bit overwhelmed by the amount of people in my life, when visitors come, I'm nice to them at church, but I don't invite them into my life because my life is just so full. And then I felt just the Lord say to me, make room, make room, make room, make room. Do not just open the doors of your venue to people. Open your hearts, open your homes. And I I want to say, kids, spend your money on bigger dining room tables. Make move get little cot beds or something so that you have a room ready for those who need to sleep over because they've bought their eyes out over dinner and shared some stuff or if i think how many times we've had deliverance sessions over supper and the person ends up sleeping over we've led people to the lord who were living with with a partner they weren't married to and they end up like the next day you've got at one point i lived in a two-bedroom flat in tableview had five girls staying with me One slept on that couch for another year. And they are, in a way, daughters to me now. I watch with pride as they are discipling others, as they think it's nothing to have someone live in your lounge. Because God has poured something of his love into our hearts. Because we know what it's like to be lost. We know what it's like to be found. We know what it's like to be lonely. And we know what it's like to be added into family. And I know this is not a perfect family. God is really the only member of this family that gets it right all the time. But can we look at each other with those crazy eyes of love? Like when a father holds his baby and all the baby do is go (laughs) scream, keep him out of sleep, farts, poops, like whatever. And he adores that baby. I mean, Eugene. Like I've never—the last time I see Eugene, so I've seen Eugene on Facebook so much was when he fell in love with his bride. Like it was like, we walked down the street together. We ate something. We like now it's like my baby asleep, my baby awake, my baby in the lounge, my baby. See my baby. See my baby. And and allow the father to impart something of that to us for those who are not blood family. Will you love like he loved you? Yes, the New Testament church had fantastic gatherings. and You're going to have the wildest times in that building. we were together in a big group. They gathered at Solomon's Colonnade, but they also met in one another's homes. Make room. Make room in your life. Make room in your home group. Make room in your children's hearts. Make room in, if you lead a home group, make sure that everyone in your home group know that we don't exist for ourselves, that we exist um, for God's glory. And part of it is to love the ones that God loves. So, us just take, I think I've just said all this. Yeah, so this is my words, what I believe is from the Lord to you. Make room, make room for the little ones, make room. I I am so convinced that you will be in big trouble and not be able to contain all that God does if every single one of you do not step up into greater maturity, into taking more responsibility, And into seeing what God sees when He looks at you, that you can disciple others. You don't. We don't stay babies forever. We don't stay um, children forever. We become people that can eat meat, and bring others into maturity. And I, and I, I say to you, Durbanville AM congregation, there's a job to be done. There's a building in that's coming. If you think you're overwhelmed now with the business of life and all the things you have to do. Do you think, I don't know when they found out, but, but Diane and edwards they didn't sign up for twins. Did you guys plan for the double thing? No. They, they, they didn't, like, I mean, I think if the Lord said to them, like, it's going to be two, they might have said, let's maybe stick to what we have. You know, like, what, you know what I mean? I don't know, maybe. But... But God is giving you everything you need, hey. God's giving you everything you need for those two. Even though some days it feels overwhelming. And I want to say, more than ever, tap into the grace of God to make space. I know most of us feel our lives are already over full. But maybe there's parts of our lives that is not devoted to what he's devoted to. Maybe parts of our finances have been used in a way where we bought Symbolically, flat sports models instead of combis. Maybe when we, when we designed our homes, it was designed more around comfort than hospitality. Maybe in our minds, there's so many things that our black children need that we've run out of finances to make the circle bigger. Only, only the Lord can show you that because only the Lord can give you grace and faith for what's to come. But what a beautiful inheritance. How wonderful when someone sits, like I think sometimes these pictures of patriarchs and matriarchs where they're sitting and it's like all the children and the grandchildren. and the Like what an inheritance. And even for me, that's how I feel. I feel like... I feel like a mum in the house in Josh Jean. And when I look over my shoulder, like in the spirit, there is photos of Granny Milani with the children, with all my children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren around me. Like, that is, a, that is an inheritance. That is a rich inheritance. And it will last into eternity. And I wish that for you. I pray that for each and every one of you. Not just an inheritance in Durbanville, as I said, but to the ends of the earth. See, someone that makes room for God's children might not spend the money on a holiday, or the—I mean, something that I think is even more precious for a lot of you than money is your leave time. But just spend your leave time on an outreach instead of a, a holiday. God will reward you; He really will. You will—you will not look back and go, "Oh, we should have rather gone to Mauritius." No, I promise you, you'll go. I've never—I never thought that I'll love that backward place or so much. I've fallen in love with the children of God. I sacrificed, but it was a joyous sacrifice. How will you let God's heart of hospitality and adoption affect you? How will you allow it to affect you? Yes, I'm very aware that it's impossible with us. I mean, I remember Jenny and I looking at each other when people prophesied that is going to grow and we're going to have more congregations, and Jenny and I look at each other and go, oh, that's going to be so much work. Everyone's like, yeah, revival, and we're like, oh, my head, all these people need to be discipled, but God has been gracious. We're still alive, you know, we're still doing it, you know, and so many of you have been at it over the past 22, 23 years, and we are rich. It's hard work, but he is worth it. He is worth it. And this beautiful eternal inheritance, it's worth it. No one can take it from us. Shall we pray? I, I, also, I also just would love the elders to help me to call for a, for a response. Because I, I think you feel it in your heart, say, like the Lord's at work in us in such individual ways. And it almost feels like we can't leave without responding to him without allowing him to get very specific with us so here we are holy spirit here we are lord here we are lord in many ways we still love our lives god but we want to lose our lives for you we want to see what you see we want to want what you want we want to represent you So show us, Lord, show us, even if you show us one thing that we can move in our lives or repent of or leave behind so that there's room, so that there's more room for the little ones you want to add to this congregation. Show us, Lord.